Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us. I have in the studio Pima County Attorney Laura Conover. And on the phone, if you remember from last week, we had Lieutenant Colonel Hal Kempfer, sorry, who is a retired Marine and the CEO of GRIP. And we're going to get a little bit of an update on what's going on and in Ukraine. And we've got some questions for you. I understand that uh, Putin asked China for help. Does that show a sign of weakness? Oh, good morning, Sherry. Um, uh, well, uh, I, not really. Uh, basically, it's a uh, strategic dialogue is really what's going on because Putin uh, cozied up, and, and it's not something brand new, but he's been, he's been trying to cozy up together for some time as a strategic alliance. They're not a natural fit, and in terms of trade, they're definitely not a natural fit. But but they have one common interest, which is they both oppose the United States. And so he's reached out to them to get ammunition, basically uh, caliber cruise missiles, uh, artillery rounds, and then uh, these rockets that they use uh, like artillery, uh, and have them ship them over. Uh, we picked up on this. We put it out there. Uh, our information operations campaign's pretty good in, in that regard. And uh, and basically, we were just warning them the consequences if they help Russia. And I think it was actually more of a strategic dialogue. It really, it wasn't so much uh, asking them for help. It was more like warning them the consequences if they help Russia. Is probably a better way to look at it. I know at one point they were talking about um, our astronauts that are working with Russian astronauts right now, and there was a concern that they might leave our astronaut up there because they're using a Russian vehicle to go back and forth. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, you know, to go back and forth, uh, I don't think they're going to leave an astronaut stranded in space, although I, I would, I, right now I imagine at NASA, there's a, a very deliberate troubleshooting process going through as far as... You can as call that happened. mission Uber? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's something like that. It's, it's almost in some ways, I imagine the planning process sounds like something on a Hollywood script. But uh, but but there's a lot of things, you know, there's certain things. we even, even during the tenthest times, we've always seen able to work out this arrangement with ISS. And there was some really over-the-top language about letting the ISS, you know, fall out of orbit in the future, you know, not help, not keeping it aloft. And I think a lot of this was rhetoric. Um, you know, I think I just saw today that they're doing a crew transfer up there. Uh, and, and interestingly, the Russian cosmonaut showed up wearing yellow. And uh, uh, the commander of the cosmonauts uh, said, well, it's just we happen to have yellow as part of our stuff. It's like, yeah, that's a very subtle signal that. Yeah, you know, I saw uh, that. I was like, "Oh, they're trying to send a message." They're still trying to send a message. So, uh, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I think they're going to get this worked out. At least I hope so. But I also, I also, I, I, I know a little bit about how NASA does some planning, and uh, they're extremely. They, they're very good at. It. They do troubleshooting like nobody's business, and uh, they're going to figure this out. Well, I was wondering, too, after I, I saw what the um, th their show of support by wearing the yellow and the blue on top of it, 
and there was a mm-hmm. photograph on on uh, the internet. And I was wondering, are they subject to just listening to Russian propaganda, or are they getting the news from the rest of the world as well? Well, I, I you know, I, I, I can't tell you, I can't tell you for sure because I don't know what they listen to. Obviously, they get a ton of Russian propaganda, but got to remember, everybody going up there is pretty tech savvy, and right. they're working with other, they, you know, they work with other nations, not just the U.S., but they work with other nations in that astronaut training uh, program. And so, my guess is they're getting some pretty good feed on what's going on. Uh, I think, I think just just by the looks of things, literally, uh, they've got a pretty good idea of what's happening. So. Well, the other question was um, about the athlete who's being held there because of her cannabis oil. What's up with that? I, you know, it wasn't it wasn't yeah, like she was smoking joints. She had cannabis oil. <laughs> it, well, uh, that's you know, part of it is Russia has been cracking down on a lot of things, and they they view cannabis oil in very differently than we view it over here. With that said, uh, with the way things are going, I wouldn't put it beyond Russia to have planted something like that in her bag. Uh, that's very possible. Uh, they are they're very skilled at the, uh, shall we say, the dark arts. Okay. And setting up setting up something like that is 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 certainly not beyond plausible plausibility. I mean, she may have had that in there, but on the other hand, they may have planted it. They just extended her detention, as it were. Uh, into uh, mid-May. I saw and that. I was like, "What? what's up with that? Is is she being used as an example? We've got her. Ha ha. Mm. Well, actually, that's probably about it. Yeah, they, they've got her, and they are using her, and I, I have no doubt that they want to use her as a bargaining chip at some point, uh, you know, maybe to try and negotiate a release of somebody that we have. Uh, I don't know if you just saw, interesting, that was happening, and at the same time, uh, a bunch of uh, Russian diplomats were were kicked out of the Baltic states, and oh. you, you could you could say that hey, this is all unrelated, <laughs> not to Russia. You know, it's all this is that's NATO. U.S. is part of NATO. This is something they're using as a bargaining chip, and uh, so um, all these things all these things are happening. You know, the other thing too is uh, they're getting a little desperate. You know, I, I mean. When we tell Americans to get out of Russia, and we told uh, certainly all Americans to get out of Ukraine, it's a dangerous place, yeah. and it's it's dangerous. It's dangerous because of Vladimir Putin and what he's doing. I couldn't believe he was on a stage, set on a you know that that whole thing at the stadium. That you know he was spewing his propaganda and acting like you know he's all that in a bag of chips. And the rest of the world's going. Oh, why doesn't somebody take him out? <laughs> Perfect. Well, that it was. It was actually interesting. That, you know, when, when I look back at that, a couple of things. Well, first off, and you know, it's possible that they had a technical glitch on on their television uh, production of that. But how it's probable? <laughs> <laughs> but it was interesting. First off, the way he did it. It was almost no notice, and a lot of the people didn't, who were told that they had to be there, who worked in government offices and things like that, they were told, we're going to this thing and you have to go, okay? And they were given some sort of story. 
So they rolled up. They didn't even realize what it was. And that's a that's an old security thing. You know, Secret Service, you know, does that. Uh, you know, that's a – if you show – if nobody knows you're going to show up, um, like if the president or something shows up someplace, it lowers the threat because uh, if they don't know he's going to be there, nobody could have prepared. So there's a, there's a certain threat parameter, and that was obviously used there so he could get up on a stage – in front of all those people and look like he's safe and secure. And I think that's what he wanted to do was to present the image that he was safe and secure. And then he, of course, delivered his, his uh, bizarre interpretation, all the lies and uh, the fabrications that are out there. And uh, listening to it, you know, you, you sit there and go, you know, it, it's not good that he's putting out these lies and fabrications. You just you hope to God he doesn't believe anything he's actually saying, because it's it, if that's the case, then he's in a separate universe. Yeah, he's uh, a case for the couch for sure. Yeah, couch or the or the or the padded room, padded room, one of the two. <laughs> yeah, but he's a uh, yeah. You just you just hope that he's somewhere in there that KGB trained mind is just putting out you know. The, the classic Soviet disinformation, but he does have at least some semblance of reality that he's touching. But he's he's walled himself off. He's put himself in such a bubble. Uh, I'm, I'm very nervous that he just has, has, is, is increasingly losing touch with reality. And certainly as, as the news from the battlefield gets worse. Yeah, he's gotten, had a lot of people, um, heads of his military have been killed. He's he's just lost a lieutenant general, the eighth combined arms army. There's not that many combined arms armies involved. It's just a few, and he just he's lost. Uh, you know, he lost a couple of uh, of uh, uh, combined arms or deputy commanders of combined arms army, and now he's lost a commander. That's extraordinary. I I, I'm, I was kind of searching my mind to remember any time, certainly not in such a short time frame that that many general officers were lost in a military campaign like that. That's, that's I mean, we've, we've never seen anything like it. I think we've, we've lost generals, but it's very rare that a general officer, because first off, they, general officers generally have pretty good security around them. Uh, that tells me that this, these general officers, two things are happening. Number one is they're exposing themselves to enemy fire, and that's because probably because their units are not performing. So they're having to go down there right at the front lines to try and get them to do something. Second thing is it says a lot about Ukrainian intelligence. Mm-hmm. Uh, you usually see something, you go, okay, all right, was exposed to fire, and then it'll come out like a day or two later that Ukrainian intelligence had picked up on something. One of the problems that the, the Russians have is not just command and control, not just the fact that their troops are literally uh, wounding themselves intentionally, um, you know, their self-mutilation is a term that they were using, which I find interesting using in military context, um, that they were actually having someone shoot them with Ukrainian weapons so that they wouldn't have to go into combat. Uh, but but the Ukrainian intelligence has been picking up on their radio because they're encrypted, their covered radio system where they use encryption so <clears throat> people can't listen to it, has apparently been breaking down. So they're sending messages in, in what we'd say in the clear where you can hear them. Like a police scanner, you can hear messages. Right. 
Well, the Ukrainian Ukrainians are picking up on these uh, tactical messages, and they're able to put piece things together to figure out where uh, some of these senior leaders are. And it's not just the generals; it's the commanders. Uh, wow. There was a, a, a an attack a few days ago, uh, a tank regiment, and they killed. And right off the bat, they killed the the regimental commander. Wow! And that just speaks volumes to the effectiveness of Ukrainian intelligence. And and presumably, Russia was not prepared for that. You would you would think D- didn't expect that that level of intelligence. Um, well, out. you know, it, it's interesting you say that. It, you're absolutely right. They, I don't. They didn't expect a lot of things. One of the things that came out this last week uh, was that they were they were talking about the fact that if for for you know Putin, he's an intelligence officer, and originally he was a counterintelligence officer. Which right. uh, you know, ca- counterintelligence in their foreign intelligence service. Those guys, you know, and certainly under the Soviet system, that makes you very paranoid. You know, they 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 just you know they're always looking for spies within their own ranks, uh, and and that's where he actually came from. So that has served him you know well, shall we say, in many things. But one of the things he did here in order to maintain secrecy of what his actual intent was, he actually, what came out this last week was he apparently hid a lot of the planning for the Ukraine operation from the military staff just so what he was intending to do would not leak out, which, is, which translates to all those little things you have to do, which are really big things, logistics, things to prepare for communications, all these other things that they were supposed to do didn't really happen. You know, he could put the big pieces into place, but you need a full military staff to get into the details. Yeah. And so he's talking about, you know, his little scheme maneuver with the, with the, uh, you know, the decapitation strike on the lead, on the Ukrainian government leadership, you know, in Kiev, but he's not talking to the military which looks at this in a, in a different fashion and does the whole staff planning process where they make sure that they have enough bullets and Band-Aids and everything else that a, that a military and gas and Logistics. everything else that a military needs. Yeah. Logistics. Yeah. So, you know, in that way, uh, the British have a great phrase, too clever by half. And I think that describes Putin and, uh, and what he did with the planning for this, for this campaign. No, I think uh, everything else he did was such a walk in the park that he thought he could do the same thing with Ukraine. And and thank God these people are standing up for themselves and in fighting for their country. And hopefully the world will take note. I'm just still shocked that nobody's going in there and, and taking, you know, Russia, putting them back in their place. So we could talk all day on this, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, but... We're I want to thank good, you. Yeah. I've, I've I've seen you on every probably every news station, <laughs> and well, thanks. Yeah. It's it's been really informative, and I thank you for calling in this morning and bringing us up to date. I don't, you know, I'm in my heart. I think we're in World War Three, but we'll keep calling it Putin's war instead. Well, let's let's hope the Ukrainians keep winning, and uh, let's hope we send. You know, let's hope Russia goes. You know, whatever comes out of this, let's hope they disengage. They've taken huge losses, and 
I mean, really keep our fingers crossed. Let's hope that there's a, a regime change in Moscow. Yes. And uh, maybe this will be a, a really bad uh, footnote, a historical footnote of what Russia did, you know, the, the attempt at the Soviet reunion. But it won't be, uh, uh, but it won't be the auspices, auspices of a larger uh, war. Let's hope, just hope. I hope not. So. Okay. Well, right. well, thank, thank you, Sherry. You. Thank Thanks. you for calling in. Thanks. Take care. Okay. In the studio, we have Pima County Attorney Laura Conover. How are you? Good morning. I'm I'm thrilled to be here, and that was fascinating. You know, that I mean, that's far outside my my bailiwick and but as a lifelong learner that was fascinating to listen to yeah he he was on last week and there were some lingering questions and as things progressed during the week i'm getting emails saying you know hey ask him this he's back on right and i'm like well maybe i'll i'll give him a call (laughs) (laughs) so yeah he's he's just a really nice guy but so smart (laughs) so smart when it comes to this let's talk about pima county you bet yeah, something closer to home. My favorite topic. My favorite topic. <laughs> 1.1 million favorite people. Really? That's, that's right. our that's our right population? right around 1.1 million. Yeah, it's such a it's a massive beautiful diverse county and also when you think about it the people and geographically how massive the space is. It is. It's huge. Yeah. It's like, you know, people call me and say, "Hey, can you do this?" at the, you know, and I'm like, "You know how big Pima County is?" Right, exactly. You know, you asked me to drive like 300 miles. Right. <laughs> so let's start with the homicide rate. What's going on with, with this locally? <clears throat> That's what I wanted to lead off with, Sherry, because I think it, uh, it it's, it's on our minds um, constantly um, throughout the county. And, and for us in the office, it's, it remains priority number one for us. Um, the homicide rate uh, will be studied for, for decades, and I would add to it a domestic violence spike as well. It, it's both. And they both started at the beginning of the pandemic. And I think it'll be studied for decades as to why that that correlates. Um, and, it, and it's happening nationwide, but we live here. And, right. you know, my, my mom turned 70 last month and and lives in midtown and and so it 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 hits home um what we're doing in the pima county attorney's office is is trying to have uh, a really uh, laser specific approach to what's happening so we've had a lot of success thank goodness in bringing back um some really talented veteran homicide prosecutors from the attorney general's office um, from other counties, uh, back from private practice, from the firms, um, luring them back into perhaps uh, more exciting work. And, um, and thank goodness they came back to, to pitch in so that we're, we're fully staffed in that area and we can, we can handle it. Um, because it's, it's, it's a lot on us. It has meant that every single Monday is, is homicide panel day. And so we spend the morning uh, going over all the reports of about three or four cases, and then we spend the afternoon on presentations um, with our veteran prosecutors and with law enforcement in the room, the case detectives from the various homicides, to try to uh, resolve 
three or four every single Monday. So it's um, it's intensive. It's 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 brutal work, but it's it's really critical. Why do you think uh, homicides have increased? I I think I think in both homicide and domestic violence, um, the lockdown. People cre- stuck at home. People stuck at home. Um, not having outlets for stress and anxiety and anger, um, not having outlets, uh, as many outlets to seek help as things start to escalate, um, less eyes on each other. Um, you, you know, you never know when you when you intervene for someone, especially in the domestic violence, um, sexual assault arena. Um, neighbors checking on neighbors means yeah. more than you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we and we were we were um, prevented from normal life because of because of the pandemic. Um, and I think I think just generalized anxiety, Sherry, and and um, just a, a quick trigger on on anger. Um, has been pervasive uh, across the country, perhaps across the world, in trying to deal with the pandemic. I mean, it we, is. It's something you can't see and and touch and put your you know put right. your fingers on. It's like okay, there's this thing that we can't. It's not tangible, right? And, right. <laughs> and and it's hard and it's hard to articulate it, but we know it when we see it. I mean. I had we we had two homicides in the office last year over a parking spot. I mean the, the the individuals literally did not know each other. There was no history and and it was over a parking spot twice. Um and you can see it on the roads. The governor's office of highway safety has talked about road rage. Road rage yeah. and speed um you know it's it's it'll be again it, the data is fascinating right we we want our criminal justice system driven by data and and there's another data point is that driving went way down in the pandemic and yet accidents went way up um we have a lot to learn from from what's been going on in the last uh, 24 months now yeah, two yeah. years now yeah. um and uh but it's incumbent upon us to 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 go right in and and do everything we can for the community in the midst of it. We we are doing an event. I think you know about it. Uh, the the front line of sex trafficking on the second of April, and there's going to be a lot of people there, including the Pima County Attorney's Office. It's going to be represented, and everybody should go to that event. It's going to be huge you're going to learn a lot you're going to learn how to protect your kids and your family and if teachers i think teachers should be there and you're talking about recruitment in you know the domestic violence thing are you familiar with uh, the hand signal the international hand signal for help i'm not sure i am the um, put your palm up tuck your thumb and close your fingers over it and that was started by a, a Canadian woman's, um, I think the Canadian Woman's Foundation started it. And it's actually taken off and it's actually saved lives. So we're going to demonstrate that at this event as well. Oh, that's wonderful. And get the word out so people can understand that, you know, hey, you don't have to be there 
on your own. There's help out there. People right. will help you. And you don't have to yell help. You can use this little hand signal and people will get the message. Right. You're in you're in a situation. You're talking about recruitment and retention at the uh, attorney's office. What's going on there? We, well, I I'm I'm really um excited and and I'm I'm relieved. Uh, you know, we we started um fighting for office-wide uh, salary increases um a, a week after the primary election <laughs> in August 2020 when I was technically still just on the ballot, but I knew it would be Huge. a long haul. Yeah. Um, it's not easy to do. And um, the county had to come together, stakeholders, to, to study it. Um, but we had we had some some good points on our side, which was that the office had not had a, a, a salary, an office-wide salary increase since 1997. Wow. So we were able to argue it was time. And on, especially on the criminal side, um, our, our friends in Pinal County uh, developed um, their own recruitment plan, which was to offer a, a $30,000 pay increase and a shuttle to drive our prosecutors up to Pinal County, which of course was a was a um, <laughs> you know not something it, most people could turn down, and so so Pima County would train up prosecutors, and then just when they were ready to start taking on major crime, Pinal would sweep in with that offer. So so I was way out on a limb, Sherry, by by saying, look, if we if we can raise salaries appropriately to to not not all the way up to Pinal, but something I can compete with. Um, then, then people will stay, and and people will come back. And thank goodness that did happen. That did happen. We, I'm so grateful for the the veterans who've come back in um, to to join us and help. And then, of course, all the brand new attorneys who are starting their career with us. That that's that's easily got to be one of my favorite parts of the job that they're so talented they're so brilliant they're so excited and full of energy um and you can see graduates they, of the u of a yes yes largely <laughs> wildcats largely so safe. <laughs> i i i try to not be biased but this is my home and that's my <laughs> alma mater and um yes of course um and so then you can you can sort of see where the agency's headed and be full of hope that's awesome that's awesome. And it seems like this this pay thing is across the board with the sheriff's departments, with, you know, the police departments, everybody. It's like we need to start paying people so they can work one job and it, live. Yeah, it's it's a it, it was a countywide problem, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and I really applaud um the board of supervisors and the, the county administrator's office um for and, and county HR for for giving that um five percent boost across countywide it, it was it was really critical so you came in with um some ideas about preventing crime and in how to deal with with the bad actors so talk to us about what's going on in that arena <clears throat> well one thing i can say um sherry is that for decades the the criminal justice system has been purely reactive and and that's hard it's it's hard on our our people um and what i mean by that is that the harm has already happened by the time our professionals get to dig in on a case uh, harm has already occurred and that can be very frustrating to just 
just constantly be receiving files full of full of harm out in our community. And so we really want our our policies to to be solution oriented and we want to be out in the community. Um, research shows that as we clean up our neighborhoods, as we as we clean up in front of and behind small businesses, uh, these things these things matter. It's it's sort of the broken window concept. Um, you know, beautifying neighbor neighborhoods and bringing again neighbors out to meet each other, check on each other. Um, you you really do see the crime rate start to to tick down, and it's a, it's a long it's a long game. It's the long game. You have to be patient, but that's what that's what we're we do um, most Saturday mornings. You know, it's it's interesting because I remember growing up, everybody knew everybody. If I did something at the other end of the block that somebody didn't like, by the time I got home, my parents knew about it. Right. And it wasn't like you know, oh, stop, you know. Be stop parenting my child, or you know, you have no right to do this. If Mr. Lens at the end of the street yelled at me when I got home, I got yelled at again. I mean, it's just that's the way it was, and Mr. Lens was right. You know, you don't do that, you don't throw rocks, you don't, you know, right. pick flowers out of the neighbor's garden. There are things you don't do, right? And now it's like, you know, it's my child, I'll raise him the way I want to, and and it seems like people are. It's, I don't know, supporting the bad guys rather than the good guys in some respects. And it's it's like, here's a bad guy and he's getting away with it. So all of a sudden he's a hero. And I don't understand that concept. Well, again, I think in the last two years, it, it there has been sort of this attitude shift. And I think it, it it's because we became so isolated um, and and sort of fending for ourselves, and and that was a, a real challenge for us as a new administration coming in um, in J- in January of last year. It was pre-vaccine, and I didn't want to become isolated from the community that I I work for, and and so you know credit goes to to Patrick Robles, our um, community outreach coordinator, for saying, well we'll we'll do it outside. We'll we'll gather on Saturday mornings, and we'll pick up trash. We have these really fun grabbers. Um, the kids love them, right? These Inspector Gadget g- grabbing tools, yeah, they, yeah, right? I know yeah, what you're talking about. <laughs> we 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 play music. We have donuts at the end, of course, um, and and you make it fun. And then that's exactly what the result was. Sherry was neighbors were were able to safely check check on each other again, and something that I think you especially and your listeners care about is it also was an opportunity for to to delicately and sensitively bring in non-uniformed police officers who work in those neighborhoods and are responsible for those areas and you had so you just had normal human fun relaxed informal connecting between neighbors and law enforcement so that trust can be built and connections yeah. can be made because that's that's critical we ne- we need to know each other and trust each other and we we see what happens in other communities when when that trust falls apart and disappears absolutely 
Absolutely. We are going to take a quick break. We'll be back in a few. Thanks for staying with us. Our guest today is Pima County Attorney Laura Conover, and we are talking about everything. We've gone from Ukraine to <laughs> local crime. Let's talk about the fraud unit. Ooh, yes. Well, that's I another favorite topic. Um, I'll tell you, Sherry. The background was that um, when I when I filed to run for office, it was it was November of 2019. So I had these four months of of a normal campaign before the world closed down. And at the time, I thought I was going to move across this massive, beautiful county um, geographically, and <laughs> and you know, without um, any prioritization, I just started out in in Green Valley and Quail Creek and in that area, and spent a lot of time there in in the winter, and every single home, every single person I met knew someone who had been targeted by by some level of fraud or scam yeah. and and it became clear that retirement communities were were being targeted that it that it was deliberate and it, and it made my my blood boil um and so so truly as part of that experience um it it was it was informational it was educational I, I learned that the office hadn't had a dedicated fraud unit in 20 years, um, and and it ended up becoming kind of a, a serious part of my platform was was that we needed a dedicated fraud unit, and by late February I thought they were way too ambitious, but by late February, just a few weeks into the administration, in time for National Consumer Protection Week, uh, we launched our fraud unit and we launched. Um, the Southern Arizona Anti-Fraud Task Force, which is a monthly crew of about 35 people from every single agency, the fraud detectives from, from every unit, the fraud prosecutors from all the area uh, prosecutorial offices, and they share intelligence because that's the best way to track fraud is you, you, you follow the signs and the habits and you see the patterns that emerge and then you can you can dig into the sources and where it's coming from, and you can really get into to prevention. So we we had well over a, a dozen lectures and reached um, reached over a thousand people last year on how to protect themselves from fraud and scam. Okay, last week Saturday, I think it was Saturday, I got a text message from somebody who identified themselves as Jacqueline whoever and said hey can you do a favor for me and i need this and blah 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 and i'm like who are you and she said well i need to get a gift card for the chapter i said what chapter and and she, and she got offensive you know like why are you asking me questions well <laughs> because i don't know who the hell you are uh, right you know? right right and then she she and i said what chapter what's the name of the chapter and she said fca so that tells me they know i'm a member of fca Mm. I'm also a member of InfraGuard. I'm a member of a lot of things. All they have to do is go to a website and see that, oh, right. wow, she's busy. So she said FCA. So then she said she wanted me to go buy uh, $2,000 worth of gift cards, oh. photograph the front and the back, plus the receipt, and send it to her. And I told her I'd get that done as soon as I was done with laundry, 
dinner in taxes. Well, that didn't stop her. An hour later, she said, "Are you, you know, where are we on this? And so I said, well, you know what? I'm, I'm not that familiar with gift cards, so I gave it to a friend to do for you. He'll call you shortly. He works for the FBI. I didn't hear another word from her. <laughs> but there are people out there who would run to the store and buy the gift cards. Right, e- exactly. And and that's why we do the prevention lectures. And, and I, would, I would always say... Um, I would say thank you so much for being here. However, by by being here, it tells me you're already alert to the to the problem of fraud and scam. And so what what I need you to do after this lecture is I need you to to check on your your neighbors and family, those people who might be vulnerable to it. Yeah. Why it was why it was so disturbing, Sherry, seeing it in in Green Valley and Quail Creek is because they wait for people to to come back home from surgery. They they target people who are heavily medicated. They target people who are whose memory is starting to slip, and who aren't going to be alert, can't be alert to to the fact that this is a fraud and scam. And so I I also always encourage people to have um, have their their financial partner. I call it. You know, if if you've got the spouse, the spouse, the adult child. Um, the the sibling, the best friend, but someone who's trusted, and you always check with them before making a significant purchase. Yeah, you know, even even and significant can be a hundred dollars. You know, just check, run it by them first, and vi- and then vice versa. Um, before you make a purchase like that, before you go buy the gift card, when it you know, it, it, especially if it's a stranger. Yeah, somebody's saying send right. a gift card. And this this particular text message, who is act, acting like I'm supposed to know who she is? Right. I had no clue who she was. Right, but right. But I've got her phone number. <laughs> well, and, and Sherry, the, it gets so advanced. They do, they will use your best friend's name. They, you know, the grandparent, uh, the grandparent one Scam, is, yeah. right, where, where they have the grandchild's name or it's, it's, Hey Jerry, it's Bob's grandson, right? It's your best friend's grandson, and the names are correct. Yeah, right. It's it's so again, it, ch- check check with your partner, check with your trusted loved one, best friend, whoever it is, before you make the purchase. You know, does this seem right? Yeah, if Just somebody pa- wants you to pay your electric bill with a gift card, eh, right, right, maybe right. not. Pa- pause <laughs> and slow it down. There's always an urgency. Yeah. Pause and slow it down. Ask questions, just like you did, Sherry, and then the story falls apart. Yeah, it's it's really sad. And I've I've had several. I've had the IRS has you know a warrant out for my arrest. Right. I'm like, right. Right. great, three squares a day and a roof over my head. <laughs> just kidding. Okay, mm-hmm. let's let's talk about victim services. Mm, the crown jewel. I, I I call it the crown jewel. It's it. it it truly is a testament to to the former administration and and their dedication to victim services to um, the state of Arizona's dedication to victim services and the victims bill of rights and that team sherry is just extraordinary they you know if if all of our listeners don't don't know they respond out to to scenes mm-hmm. day and night 
Um, they build armies of volunteers across the county to to be there and to provide services in moments of trauma. And then they track the cases, the court team, then will track the case all the way through so that loved ones and families and, and victims have professional support throughout the pendency of, of their case. And it, if our listeners don't know, the team includes three full-time employees of the four-legged kind. You have three now? We, we do. Baja, Blake, and Arrow are our courthouse dogs, and they are extraordinary. And I will say, I will say, Sherry, that the concept is is easy to understand and to support that that they're trained, highly trained professional dogs who who provide comfort. But I I kept one case last year, um, which was even more than I, I should have. But I. I kept a case, a, a resentencing on a on a first degree uh, murder case, and the the sister of the deceased needed to give a statement and, and read her mother's statement. Um, her her mother wasn't strong enough to deliver it, and Arrow came and laid down on on the young woman's feet across her feet and and my feet because I was standing shoulder to shoulder with her as she tried to get through her statement and it's it's real your blood pressure goes back down it it gives you encouragement it's a very real thing it's not it's not an idea it's it's real and it, so that and that's that's why I call, that's why I call it the crown jewel I, I, that division within the office is just truly something extraordinary yeah I think it's amazing and awesome that you think of the victims and help them get through some really traumatic situations where they're reliving things that nobody wants to have to relive a tragedy, much less over and over again. So the puppies are are awesome. Yes, I yes, love they them. are. I had the opportunity to meet a few. Good, good, good. <laughs> okay, this is uh, Sexual Assault Awareness Month. That's right. So, what is the what is the county attorney's office doing to it, it's Educate. coming up. It's coming up quickly. It, it for April, which is why I'm I'm so thrilled that you've been talking, Sherry, about Saturday, April second, and your event at the Burger Theater, um, and where people can go to lawmatters1030.org to to get their tickets to um, to such an important uh, presentation and training. It it's critical as we've been discussing to raise awareness, and that's why these months get dedicated because it gives us a, all an opportunity to come together to to get the message out to the community and that's that's our office that's law enforcement it's teachers as you've said it's neighbors raising awareness so that we we can recognize warning signs we can recognize someone who might be in need and and take action um, so it's 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 a lot of work. Again, it's the Victim Services Division. It's our Domestic Violence and our Special Victims Unit. It's our communications team, partnering with with law enforcement, and producing really helpful guides as well um, bilingually. That's been a huge effort, uh, especially by the Tucson Police Department in in recent years, and our office as well. When we came in. 
we we knew we had a real need to make sure that that our staff were bilingual so that that language wasn't a barrier to getting help and receiving help and 38% of our new hires last year were bilingual and so I again I thank the community for responding to the need yeah it's huge and I I think people need to understand that it's it's not just one agency that takes care of this situation you've got the police department you've got DEA there's an organization out there called uh, Power Over Predators. They're going to be there, and they're very proactive to keep this from happening. Mm. Some of the agencies are are reactive. Okay, it happened. Now what do we do? But proactive, um, the Power Over Predators people with Lisa, who's in charge of it, uh, have a scholastic program. They can go to any school and introduce you to the program, and you can be teaching this in your schools to keep your kids safe. And that's part of what this this whole presentation is about. We think everybody should be there because like like uh, Sheriff Daniel said, you don't know what you don't know until you get there and realize, wow, this is happening. My, my child could be sitting next to me on the sofa and being sex trafficked at the same time. So, you know, you need to understand what the what the problem is what the risk, the hazard is, and, and prevent it. Well, and, and, and along those lines as well, all of our community partners, you know, the Children's Advocacy Center, SACASA, uh, Emerge, all of these organizations, you go to their websites and they have wonderful prevention materials about yeah. what parents can do, to monitor their children on the internet, right? How to recognize it. Absolutely. You know, cell phone use, um, every, all the tools you, you need to, to recognize the warning signs, keep, keep your kids safe. Yeah. And it's, it's not an easy job Mm -mm. (laughs) because the internet is, I remember, you know, we didn't have the internet and all that stuff when I was growing up and you know, picking flowers out of the neighbor's garden got you in trouble. This is huge. Yeah, <laughs> this yeah. is amazing. When, when our when our little boy was born, I remember just not even, it, it was still the first day, and I remember turning to my husband and saying, you know, I think the screen is going to be our biggest parenting challenge, you know, in his first 18 years. Like, yeah. just figuring out how to deal with the pervasiveness of the screen and the internet and the access and the constant attention and, and all of that. It, it, yeah, you do have to, you have to get ready as a parent. It's, it's, and this is, this event here will help you get ready as a parent. Absolutely. And hopefully everybody will be there. All you have to do is go to lawmatters1030.org and the tickets are free. There's, you know, no excuse. And we made it free because we want people to be educated. We want people who maybe can't afford a ticket to be able to join in and be a part of the solution. And this is part of the solution. So we want everybody there. I'm watching you. I want everybody there. That's wonderful, Sherry. So let's talk about, I know we've only got a few minutes left. Let's talk about, have you had um, any successful cases that you want to brag about? Oh my goodness. There's, there's so many. Um, <laughs> do, do we have two more days? Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. In an office of, of 350. There, the juvenile division is 
is extraordinary. Um, we've talked a lot about stress and anxiety over the last couple of years, and children were deeply affected by that too, you know, not being able to go to school. And so we saw an uptick in, I think, um, lashing out with that stress and anxiety and not having the support of your school. And so the juvenile unit in particular has really risen to the occasion and worked so hard to, to keep kids in the juvenile system and not ship them downtown and try them as adults where frankly we just lose them at that point um, and and making sure that we're collaborating so that children are getting the services they need and and so a um, an error or a mistake as as a child doesn't haunt you the the, the rest, rest of, of your, your life. life that's yeah. right um, so that comes to mind um, I think our brand new fraud unit has passed the million dollar mark for returned restitution to awesome. victims. That's yes. awesome. Um, that's extraordinary. Um, Sherry, our entire uh, civil law firm, there's there's the whole civil side of the house, right? When you're a county attorney instead of a district attorney. And again, the mental health, the health law unit, the health law unit, the mental health side, you know, tripled in work and rose uh -huh. to the occasion, of course, the pandemic, and provided every county agency with all the support they needed to deal with masking requirements and access to vaccines. And so it's, I could go on and on, but those are some <laughs> of the, the biggest, um, the biggest ones that come, come to mind. Okay. I want to get back to the elder abuse thing real quick. Mm -hmm. If somebody thinks they've got a problem or like the situation with my text message with uh, Jacqueline, who do they call? How do they report this? Thank you so much for asking. Part of the, the whole point of having a dedicated fraud unit again was having a local place to report. And so you can call my office or you can simply go to our uh, website. All you have to do is Google the Pima County Attorney's Office. And then there's a little form. It just takes 60 seconds. You just type it right in. It's super easy. And you just say, this, this is who I am. This is what happened. I suspect it's fraud. Um, and, and you can just report it right there. And that's what we wanted. We wanted to just make it so easy. Because again, even if you didn't fall victim, it helps us track the patterns. The patterns. And, right. And then, it's the patterns that will be able to stand up in court. Exactly. Exactly. Precisely. So, yeah, I, I hope you all, all the listeners are taking notes today <laughs> because there's so much information here. And I want to thank you for coming on. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for having me. This is a wonderful opportunity. Yeah, I think uh, our Pima County Attorney's Office is doing great things. And, you know, I, I just appreciate everybody there. They work so hard, Cherry. I know they do. I know they do. <laughs> those I, I are, know a few of them. <laughs> yes, those those are true, noble civil servants, right, who, who stayed dedicated to the mission through the pandemic, um, through low pay. And I, it's, I'm humbled to get to work with them. That's, that's awesome. And I want to thank everybody for listening today. And tune in next week. We've got an, another great show planned for next week. And until then, shop local and stay safe.